ratchet and clank, ratchet and clank, ratchet and ratchet and ratchet and clank. Someone got salam, salam. Someone wanna care what people say. Jody and Rebecca, what's up, all you listeners out there? If your names are Jody and Rebecca, this one's for you. Jody and Rebecca. Your tumpating um punk and to get and toop and toop doop. What's up, you guys? What a weird introduction this one is. <laughs> Should I go back and start again? No. No, no, no. I'm not doing it. This one stands as a testament to the spontaneity that is out Val. Hi, you guys. Welcome to Podgus. Can you tell I'm in a good mood this time? I know the last two were a little bit mopey, but it's good tidings today. And look outside, the weather is nice. You should only listen to this when the weather is nice. That way, what I just said will make sense. If it's stormy or shitty out, and you're listening to this and you heard me say, it's nice outside, and you got really mad at me, I'm sorry. I forgot that this podcast... It's still on the time continuum. (laughs) What does that even mean? Yo, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I'm baking my head with this laser helmet. You know, if you listen back enough episodes, you'll find out that I got swindled into buying a helmet that shoots lasers into my head with the promise that it stimulates the follicles and that I'm going to regrow some of the hair that I lost over the years. Because I'm really self-conscious about my hairline. I think it sucks. And it's pulling back like a shag rug. Like a sandy beach that is overpopulated and it's and the water line is getting... The tide is getting low. The tide is getting low on my head. And the waters are receding. And it's a dreadful sight in my own eyes. I know it's not as bad as I think it is, surely, to other people, but meh. See, did you hear that? That means my head is done baking from the laser helmet that shoots lasers into my head because they told me that it would help stimulate the follicles and I would grow a thick head of hair. (laughs) I would take off this giant bike helmet looking thing, this crossover between a stormtrooper and a Tour de France cyclist that I put on my head and it shoots red light into my head. It shoots red light into my head. And, and it doesn't work. It's just red light. For all I know, these are just little red light bulbs. But uh, they do have a year of warranty if it doesn't work. So, you know, that's what sold me on it. They stood by their product. And they were like, and look at the reviews in these pictures, these before and after pictures. Fucking fooled me. But I think the science is that if the follicle is dead, it's dead. And it's never coming back. And my follicles are dead. I partially blame when I used to have dreads and my hair in the front, my bangs would constantly just tear out of my head because I would be fussing over them too much. I'd be touching them and rolling them in my hands like this. And so they eventually, like it was always super thin in the front and they would fall out. So I think dreads definitely did not help. Especially when I got them touched up and done, they would really yank on them. They would yank on the hair. So that's why the tide got low. Because somebody kept stealing water out of the front of the beach. Does that analogy work? I don't know. 
<laughs> you, you guys ever do that? Fake laugh at somebody to make everybody feel better? To break the tension? Even though what they said was dumb? And you go... <laughs> or... <laughs> you know? I wish I didn't do that as much. It makes me feel like a chump. I don't want to live chump life. I don't want to live chump life. I don't want to be no Hank in an elevator being like, hmm, you know, so uh, nice day, isn't it? My young one, uh, Moira, she's getting, uh, she's getting pretty tall. Yep. Her sweet 16 is coming up. So, uh, you know, she's got, she's making her demands. She's like, I got a gun to my head with this one. And then you go, ha, 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 which outside sounds like a laugh, but inside your head, you're like, fucking get me out. Get me out of here <laughs> in the elevator. You know, I, um, what's going on this week? I hope you're doing good out there listening to me. I hope you're doing good. If you're a new listener, because I've been guesting on, I've been guesting on literally every podcast that I get invited to. People do, like I get it. I've done so many podcasts over this lockdown. I feel like such a joke because all my comedian friends laugh at like, oh yeah, there as if there aren't enough podcasts out there, and now I'm appearing in like every single one. I get invited to do this shit and they don't even finish this, their sentence. They're like, Hey, Al, guess what? I, uh, I have a podcast and I was, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. Thanks. Thanks for thinking of me. I'm in. <laughs> it's just, Hey, Al, uh, uh, this coming week I've got, I'm doing this sort of side project that I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. It makes me feel, uh, you know? I got nothing else going on, so I might as well. If, like, I get one more fan or listener or viewer from guesting on something else, then that's all right. I'm not doing anything else with my time. I just don't want to look like a desperate-ass chump. I'm just trying to live my life dodging chumpiness. Just skipping by chumpiness. How do you know if you're a chump? I think chumps don't know. Well, chumps must know that they're chumps deep down. I'm just trying to slide by the chumpiness. Like dodgeball. You throw a chump at me. You throw a chump ball at me. I'm going to go whoop. Whoop. Like Neo from the Matrix. I'm just trying to dodge being a chump in my life. But, you know, if I'm guesting on every podcast under the sun and I'm not saying no, <laughs> then maybe I am a chump. I just want everyone to like me. But, you know, every once in a while I'll say yes to one, and then uh, uh, later they'll cancel and I'll be like, Hooray! <laughs> Deep down inside, but it, up front I'll be like, Oh, I was really looking, I was really looking forward to that. That and Moira's Sweet 16 coming up. Yep, yep. Uh-huh. Yep. So, you know, if you listen to any podcast, chances are I was a guest on it. <laughs> mm. 
Just look here, do a thing, search your favorite podcast, and then add Al Val to your search bar, and you'll find my episode. Where I, I, I preach the word of the Lord. And being good to your fellow human being. Bah, 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 bah. Bah, bah, bah. Do you guys remember, you guys uh, missing the old times? It's a good day today, but you know. Gotta, gotta acknowledge that I miss the old times every week. I was thinking back to even older times. Like, if your city or town has a roller skating rink, that's the sickest. Like, I grew up in Whitby, and in Oshawa, there was, it was like, it's it's outside of Toronto, for those of you who don't know. And it's it's the suburbs outside of Toronto, and, I, and there was a wheelies. It was called wheelies, and it was like a roller rink. And there was a three-year period man where that was the spot now granted it was the three-year period was like between second and fifth grade but that was the fucking spot baby wheelies dude i used to i was never good i my street used to play roller hockey all the time and I was never good at hockey. I was never good at the stick handling part of it. But I could skate with so much finesse. I was like Michelle Wang or Michelle Fong or uh, or the the figure skating Canadian duo, Fred and Penn and Teller. I was like Penn and Teller on the ice. What were their names? The female, the the guy girl couple, the Canadian couple that got like screwed out of a gold medal, and then they. They got silver and they were sad. And then everybody was like, don't be sad. Here, share the gold with those Russians. And then everyone was happy, except the Russians. <laughs> you guys remember that? What were their names? Jan and Ban. Jan and Fred. You remember Jan and Fred? You remember Penn and Teller? The figure, I was out there at Wheelie. Point is, I was out there at Wheelie's like Penn and Teller, baby. I was both of them. I was lifting myself in the air. By the by, my vagina, isn't that the most impressive figure skating lift ever? I really wonder what that feels like for both of them. He like he scoops her up like she's a finger puppet, <laughs> and then she does a big starfish in the air while he holds her up by the vagina. That's gotta hurt. I don't know. Does he nestle his thumb? Does he get a good grip? <laughs> this one's really explicit. I should have did a trigger warning. This one's triple X. Like, I, even if it doesn't, like, does it feel like anything to her? I always wondered. And, like, if his hand, if she, like, shifts or if his hand slips into a more favorable position, does she go, hmm? Like, can you tell in her eyes when they do slow-mo and he's lifting her up and she's doing a big starfish in the air? And then you zoom in on her, on her eyeballs and her eyes get just a little bit wide at one part and you're like, oh, she, he glided across a ridge there. There was some labia surfing going on. He surfed her labia. Good old Jan and Ben. <laughs> Those two Canadian icons. Fran and Blan. Fran and Fran and Ted. Penn and Teller. I'm just gonna call them Penn and Teller. Doug and Jones. Um Abbott and Costello. Myron and Byron. So I used to be in wheelies, I used to be like them. 
figure skating up a storm, doing 180s backwards to skating backwards, do a 180 skate forwards so I could show everybody I'm just as good both ways. Even as a kid, I was so bisexual. That was so bi. Everybody would look at me skating and be like, whoa, that guy is so bisexual. <laughs> skating around, grade three, flip-flopping. But uh, that was, I'll tell you this. Oh, besides the one, besides the time in grade one where I proposed to Bridget Boskill and she turned me down and then the teacher called me out in front of the whole class, that was my first heartbreak. But then the second big heartbreak of my life was I had a big crush on a girl named Victoria. And uh, I think it was her birthday. So naturally, it was at Wheelie's. And it was grade three. And I remember when it came time for the slow skate, when they play Backstreet Boys, when they play a love song, you got to ask your crush out to hold hands and skate around the rink holding hands to a slow song. And I asked Victoria if she wanted to do a slow wheelies with me. And she said no. And then a minute later, I saw her skating around with my nemesis, my rival Jeff Zamet. And that was heartbreak for me. And I do very much remember that night, like being in bed crying and then going upstairs and my parents were still awake and, and me like crying to them and them being like, yeah. And they were very, obviously, they were so nice. And they were like, oh. Poor little guy. I wonder what they think about it now. But I bet in their minds they're like, you're you're in grade three. This will pass. <laughs> but I still remember it. Oh, and the heartbreak. I, and you know, Jeff was a good guy and Victoria was a good girl. So I hope they're married now. <laughs> I doubt that they are. I don't, I don't know how that panned out for them. But it all made me miss wheelies. That's the point. I miss skating around. I miss skating forwards and backwards, baby. And then, sometime around the the early 2010s, 2010s, there was a there was that little little giant sketch. What is it called? Little giant something giant. Uh, there was their sketch that they did. Where this guy is learning how to rollerblade. He's, he had just taken up rollerblading. And they're like, what's the hardest part of rollerblading? And he says, telling my parents I'm gay. And so they like associated rollerblading with homosexuality. And of course, as soon as you do that, every fucking fragile male ego is like, well, automatically just set on fire your rollerblades. You're not allowed rollerblading anymore. Out of fear that the whole community is going to step out onto their front porch and be like, Fag! <laughs> what the fuck, man? It's amazing how that, th that, how that stuff changes. I never see anybody rollerblading anymore. Except, sure enough, sometimes a guy in short shorts will do it. So, I swear to God, it would never used to be a gay thing until that sketch called it out. And then it became like a ubiquitous joke where it's like... That's where you heard, that's where I heard it all the time. They'd be like, you know, the hardest part of rollerblading? <laughs> Telling your parents you're gay. <laughs> and then repressed me standing with this idiot. We'd both be like, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Rollerblading's so gay. So the point is go rollerblading. Even if you're straight, 
And if somebody steps out on their front porch and calls you a homo, you're you're literally standing on two weapons. Go fucking go grind their face with your rollerblades. Do a 1080 pop shove it onto their f- stupid teeth. Oh, it just makes me so. I wanted to say something funnier. Don't you hate it when hate comedians? Don't you hate it when you're ramping up on a good riff and then. And then there's this weird alarm bell in your head as you get closer to the punchline where you're like, where you overthink it and you're thinking way too far out of the punchline. And then you, and then the alarm bells go off and they're like, think of something funny. What last word are you going to end on? What's the last thought? And then you're just too distracted by worrying about it. that that It's not natural anymore. So just so you guys know, I still struggle with that. Okay. Don't make fun of me. It's hard. (laughs) <laughs> you know the hardest part of being a comedian? <laughs> Telling your parents you're gay. <laughs> and then, and then it's, oh man, you know, the fastest way to get straight people to leave a space is just to call something gay. <laughs> That's a good strategy. Let's start doing that now. It's, it worked with rollerblading. Next time you're at like a shoots in uh, uh, pints and ladders or, or one of those board game shops. Next time you're at a board game place where you can play board games in public and you're looking around and and ladies, if you're getting like hit on by a dude that you don't want or something, you'd just do this. Just be like, hey, you know, the you know, the hardest part of that board game you're playing over there. Telling your parents you're gay <laughs> and then have your whole table of friends go. <laughs> And then the guy won't ever hit on anyone anymore. He's never going to show his face on that board game place anymore. And you'll, you can play with your friends in peace. The f- quickest way to get straight guys away from you is to call something gay. If the guy hits on you, you'd be like, you know what the hardest part of wearing those Nike shoes is? Telling your parents you're gay. <laughs> oh, that's a great disarmament. That's my gift to you guys that I just discovered this week. Not even this week, just now. Just riffing. So go go forth and do that. Fight the power. Fight homophobia. <sighs> you know, hardest. You know. <laughs> there. Flab it. Flab it. Flamin' flabbing. Hey guys, new topic. Let's shift gears. Swiftly. Sorry, that was a, one of those silent burps. I just ate a falafel. Um, you guys, you know when you're flamming and you can't get the flim flam out of your brand, and then you're you're prolling around and you and you squim it, you're squimming, and you got a pram in your bungle dash, but then you're flamming, so you forget that you got your frim back in the prow. You ever take your prow and put it on the frame and then you take your brow and then then port it on your scallops? That's what flimmin' is all about. You got to take a grimble. Every once in a while, you got to take a grimble and you got to put it on your prow and you got to wear it wisely because you never know when a brongle is going to come around and grab your dingle. Okay? You got to prim it on the brow. Hey, keep it upside. Prim it on the brow. You know the hardest part of priming? Telling your parents you're gay. (laughs) Oh, man. This one's all over the town. 
So let's do some, we did some reminiscing. We talked about wheelies. We talked about heartbreak. I think at this point in my podcast, I've gone over all of my heartbreaks. As a child, I went over uh, the time I proposed to Bridget Boskill and got rejected in grade one. I went over now the wheelies rejection of Victoria. I went over my crush over a girl in Lithuanian school named Andrea that was unrequited. And I told you that story, how I told her I had a crush on her at the at the end of a huge closing Lithuanian dance ceremony. And then she went and told everybody else in the class and they bullied me for the rest of the time we all knew each other <laughs> for a crush I had on her in grade two. I told you about that. What else? After that, it was like, it was pretty smooth sailing. Oh yeah, uh, in high school uh, at prom, the girl I took to prom cheated on me the night after, uh, the first night after prom. We made love, and then the next night she decided, I don't know, she was like, <laughs> she, she had sex with somebody else. So I don't know, that's the thing, let's analyze that now. She went and cheated on me the very next day, which I wonder. It could have gone two different ways. It could have been, I gave her so such, no, see, as soon as I start, I don't even, I don't even believe this. Either I gave her such good loving that she was like, must have more. Because, and, and by the way, I won't give her name, but I will say that at least she told me that I took her virginity. So I took her virginity. So at so either she was... Uh, so blown away by how good I was at the at the age of seventeen. <laughs> so good at sex at seven seventeen. I'm the best at sex at seventeen. <laughs> I know everything that I've watched from the eight porn videos I have on my computer that I downloaded from Kazaa. Either I was so good that she was like, must have more. Or I was, or I was so bad that she was like, you know what? I've only had it once with one person, but it's the worst sex I've ever had. And it will be for a very long time. And I need to, she's like, was that it? I, um, I got, there's gotta be better out there. And then the very next night she went on, on a taste test. Maybe she just wanted to have a taste test her weekend. And I'm not here to slut shame, but it was kind of a shitty thing to do to me. I mean, it's not, it's not wrong to admit that. That was shitty, man. Cheated on me the very next night. But then again, you know, there's the, there's the grown up. I don't know. There's the, there's the self deprecating side of me. That's like, was I that bad? Fuck it. I was 17, man. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. <gasps> um, does this feel good? <laughs> Just checking in every, every, well, I was going to say five minutes, but I probably didn't even last that long. Every like 10 seconds. Um, no. And you know what? At that age, you're not secure enough to ask. That's the thing. And good sex is checking in on each other and being like, I mean, doing it in a sexier way than just being like, does this feel good? How are we doing? <laughs> like a fucking news anchor throwing to the weatherman. Hey, Chad, I hear it's a bit stormy out there. Uh, we're just checking in on you. How's it going out there? Pretty good. Everything's wet. Everything's wet out here. <laughs> uh, 
It's good to check in on sex. Communication is good sex. And then when you're 17, you're too afraid to ask because it's going to make you look like a chump. And when you're 17, the worst thing you can be is a chump. So I was going to say, I didn't even, I, I wish I had the wherewithal to check in in these two minutes of glory. But instead, I, you know, what's worse? Me checking in at 17 years old every 10 seconds or just not checking in at, and you having to hear, okay, so me checking in every 10 seconds and you having to hear, does this feel good? How are we doing over there? Are you turned on by this? Oh my God, you're so wet. Are you, are you so wet? I have no frame of reference in terms of wet, relative wetness. Are you wetter than most girls would be at this point? <laughs> every 10 seconds. Or not say anything at all. And just 17 year old me with pimples all over my face, grunting. And, and, and just thrusting with my 17 year old abs and my bony little arms holding me up over top of you. Don't come, don't come, don't come. Are you, are you coming? <laughs> In two minutes when I'm done. That was great. Did you come? <laughs> After two minutes. So, you know what? Now that I'm saying all this out loud, I totally get why she would cheat on me the very next night. That is exactly how I imagine I made love at 17 years old. Two minutes of me going, huh, huh, huh. And then when I'm done going, did you come? <laughs> oh. I'm making myself guess laugh in this one. Did you, is that, does that ruin the experience? I wonder. I always, every time I watch comedians who laugh at themselves too much, it does, it's always great to see a comedian enjoying themselves and laughing every once in a while, but if they do it, but there is a line, I think, and when you do it too much, it starts to become self-indulgent. So, that said, I hope this isn't too self-indulgent. You know, sometimes I'm a mopey little bean, and today I'm a jelly bean, I'm colorful, and I taste of cotton candy or popcorn. Popcorn jelly bean. Just the image of me asking a girl if she came at 17 years old when I don't know anything about sex is just delightfully hilarious to me. And I hope it is for you too. I hope you're enjoying this. Let me check in on you guys. Did you come yet? Um, listeners, did you come? From that bit, are you having fun out there? You know, you know the hardest part of making a girl come? Telling your parents you're gay? <laughs> oh, man. You knew that was coming. Admit it. You knew. I'll admit, you knew it. You knew it was coming, but still, I hope it popped. Sometimes you know where a joke is going and it's still just as good. I just, you know, dodge, dodge chumpiness in your life or embrace your chumpiness. If that's who you are, then celebrate your chumpiness. Good for you. I'm not here to chump shame. 
I ain't no chump shaming bitch. So this is the thing. This is chump like behavior. If you're wondering what a chump is, I gotta so I've described a chump in previous episodes. This is my idea of a chump. Now it's a general it's a general uncoolness, but even if you're uncool and you acknowledge that you're uncool, like the way nerdiness and dorkiness and geekiness is now like super cool because you own that stuff and you proudly show it off to the world. But the the tax the income tax guy, that story that I told about the time I, I joked at a at a when I was serving and I joked at a table about how I like dodged my taxes and then this income tax guy was like, Well actually that's actually a criminal offense and you shouldn't be doing that. That guy's a chump. Because he has no sense of humor. So that's the first thing that makes you a chump. If you have zero sense of humor, you're a chump. You're chumping through life. Taking things personally, taking issue with a lot of stuff. You're chumping it. You jump you chump the shark in your life. Maybe things were going well. Maybe you were a delightful child and a young adult with with rose-colored glasses with the whole world at your feet. And then somewhere along the line, you started taking everything too seriously. And then you became an income tax guy who goes, I, I don't like that joke. I, I'm, I'm going to report you to the government. And then you became a chump in that moment. And I'm sorry, that's tragic. This isn't even funny. That's sad. That's a tragic tale of becoming a chump. You know who else I think is a delightful chump, though? Chumps are fun from the outside. And if you embrace your chumpiness, then, like I said, that's good. But uh, I'll tell you this story. Um, at my condo, at my super swanky condominium complex, uh, long story short, there was this owner's meeting, this big board meeting or whatever. There was this big owner's meeting and, and there was something going on with the finances. I don't know. They were doing this big construction project all around the condo and uh, they had to ask for this insane down payment from everybody, like 2000 bucks each because they went way over budget and whatever condo fees weren't paying for it, weren't covering the blah, blah, blah. They weren't covering the construction. Long story short. Condo fees weren't covering the construction, and so they sent out this letter that was like, you owe us $2,000. It was mandatory. They were like, just fork over $2,000 because we went way over budget. So naturally, everybody was pissed. And and with good reason, man. 2000 bucks that they were like, they didn't even, it wasn't even up for discussion. In the letter, they were like, we expect the 2000 to be either check or, or whatever. Um, thank you very much. And we, uh, it would... And we must have it by January 31st. Good day. Have a nice day. <laughs> and and so they had a meeting where all these owners, and I sat in on it. It was so fun to me. I mean, it wasn't fun that everybody had to fork over 2000 out of nowhere. And I think that's how it ended. Um, But like, oh, I think to me, the chumps, though, were the guys who... <laughs> who were like, there was a Q&A at the end. Sorry, that was the falafel coming back. The, there was a Q&A at the end. And naturally, of course, everybody's outraged, understandably so. But my favorite was 
somebody would stand up and go, what I want to know is, and they'd open so dramatically, and it was always what I want to know is, and that was the first sign that this person was going to be a huge chump about it. Like, I can't even use a specific example, except, okay, there's another time I went to a board meeting. I I love these board meetings, man. These are so fun, because I don't know a lot of people in my building. It's an old neighborhood. A lot of people come here to retire. So I'm one of the youthful ones. I'm one of the youthful ones. So you can imagine when I'm walking around as a lady, it I'm I probably caused a few heart attacks. I've probably... I'm probably the reason some of these rooms are vacant now because somebody died from a heart attack looking at me and trying to process what in blazes I am. What the What the hell is even that? And then he had a cardiac arrest and that and those were his last words. What the hell is even that? <laughs> and he pointed at me and died. So it's so fun going to these meetings and listening to these fucking boomers, fucking boomers, um, be confused about internet. That was my favorite one. So I went to a meeting, a board meeting. I don't know if it was called a board meeting, but they, the condo struck some cool deal with Rogers that we were all going to get Rogers boxes and free internet. It was sick. So they really made up for that $2,000 snafu. And this was them like coming, going to bat for us. And so, but I went to this meeting and it was so funny because it was all like tech confusion with these fucking boomers and these boom, these boomers, these fucking boomers, eh? Um, all had these hilarious, well-intentioned, well-meaning questions, but they were hilarious. And naturally, if you have a question, if you're confused about that stuff, that's great. But obviously... With confusion comes frustration, and a lot of these people get frustrated with their technological uh, uh, hang-ups, their technological struggles, difficulties, their technical difficulties. So people stood up in this meeting, and they were like, What I want to know is, can I keep my email? <laughs> and it was so funny. This question, the email question was asked, like four times. All they were doing was changing our, our internet boxes. And four different people stood up and went, I have a Gmail address. And what I want to know is, do I have to get a new email? And what will happen to all my old emails? And somebody would, else would stand up as, and go, What I want to know is, what's going to happen to my email? <laughs> and somebody else. And then they would answer it again with the same answer. They're like, your email is your email. That has nothing to do with this. You keep your email. That doesn't have to change. And sure enough, somebody would stand up and go, What I want to know is... I have a Hotmail account, and my son helps me with it. Will my son be able to help me with this new email? And they're like, um, again, this is not email. <laughs> this has nothing to do with email. I don't know how much clearer I can be about this. 
this has nothing to do... Okay, you guys, do I have to explain the difference between, like, a modem, just internet and Wi-Fi, and email? Like, these old people thought that email was floating around in the air, <laughs> and this little plastic box, this little plastic box full of wires was their email. So if I buy this new email, <laughs> no, what I want to know is if I buy a new email, if I keep the old box, are my emails inside that old box? What I want to know is when we switch boxes, if I open the old box, will my mail be in it? <laughs> Uh, it was a delight. That was so entertaining to me. Just watching that same question, always prefaced by what I want to know is super angry. Oh, man. That is, it's, it's such a delight thinking back. And I miss those times because those were pre-COVID times where everybody could congregate. Everybody could squish into a tiny room and yell over each other about email. So much outrage. So much unnecessary outrage. Oh, I feel for them because they're confused. They're, you know, this is a, this is foreign stuff to them. I get it. It's scary. But it's so funny. What I want to know is. <laughs> My favorite. Oh, I am. Um... I went out grocery shopping today and to the LCBO and I'll wrap it up with this thought. So I went grocery shopping and went to the LCBO. I, I was, I've been thinking about this. I went out in guy mode because I was like, fuck it. You know, there's still a lot of anxiety. I still suffer from a lot of, just a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear of what other people think, getting clocked, and, and it's not even a fear of safety, It's because it's a safe neighborhood, and I doubt anybody would just come in and, and flying throat punch me, and then look around at this, at these confused bystanders, like, what was I supposed to do? It sounded like a man under that mask, and I freaked out, and I just, then I just started punching. You know the hardest thing about not punching a trans woman is? Telling your parents you're gay. So that's why I did it. Um, so I still, I don't know. And like, I just the tension, it's just so tense. And you know, when I present as a male, I get to disappear. I get to be invisible. Nobody looks at me twice. I wear all gray. I literally fucking camouflage. I almost literally camouflage. I'm not, I'm not special. I'm unremarkable. I can... I can just blend in as a guy. But, you know, as a trans person, you go out in public, you're you're always risking not blending in. And that shit is is it accumulates. It accumulates over the course of your whole outing, constantly monitoring everybody's eye lines and worrying about what other people think. I'm trying to work past it. I'm trying to get beyond that and just be cool with myself. But these things take time. And that said, this is my point. I have come a long way, even though I skipped on it today. It is a practice thing. And g you guys, believe me when I say, like, I I know I've said this a bunch, but I thought this was a secret I was going to take to my grave. I thought nobody was going to know about it. That's how, 
that's how buried in shame and self-loathing and anxiety it used to be. That I was like, I'm never telling a single soul. There will be no documentation of this. Maybe if I die suddenly, people will find my dresses and stuff in a drawer somewhere. But then I'll be dead and who cares? I'll be dead. And, you know, the people who are alive are just going to have to deal with this shameful legacy I've left behind. But fuck it, I won't be around. I'll be dead. Woohoo! So I used to think I would take it to my grave, man. <clears throat> and now here I am. And I think about all the steps in between. How far I've come. And it wasn't, it obviously wasn't sudden. It was a practice thing. Like, it's, it's strange. Like, presenting as male, there's no, there's zero agoraphobia. Zero fear of going outside. If you're not agoraphobic, it's, it's no big deal. You just step out of your house. So I, I had this, it's, the best way I can describe it is I had this learned, learned agoraphobia and then had to, and then I'm slowly unlearning that agoraphobia, but it's only half of me that's agoraphobic. You get what I'm saying? Like going outside as a guy ain't no thing. It's easy. Nobody's going to give me no trouble, <clears throat> but especially in those early, early, early stages First, first time stepping out of my bedroom door, like my roommate was one of the, my roommate and friend, uh, one person, not two, it's 2021, you can be friends with your roommate, get with the program people. Um, my roommate and friend, Steven, I came out to him, he was one of the earliest ones I came out to. And even then it took months and months and months for him to finally see me in person in full female mode, you know? Like my door would be closed and it would be understood that I would just be hanging out in my room, living my best female life. And if he wanted to ask me something or if I, if I needed to step out, I would like open the door a tiny little crack and would talk to him through the crack in my door. So, you know, let's, let's reflect on how far I've fucking come and how proud I am for that. That's really cool, man. I used to be terrified of even talking to my own best friend in that in that state so so furthermore you can you can imagine just how terrifying it was stepping out of the house how terrifying it it was talking to people and there's still that anxiety it's, uh, it's something i'm working out it's something i'm working out having wearing a mask in public definitely helps my voice does not my voice is a huge giveaway but you know, these are things that you got to make peace with yourself about. I'm, and I'm working on it. A lot of things I can't help, like my, my like my hairline. <laughs> I've, and uh, I say that knowing that I that I wore a laser helmet earlier at the beginning of this podcast. And that you know, that's one of those things that I know I'm in denial. I'm aware. I'm in denial, but I'm conscious of it. So is it really denial? It still is, I guess. I'm in denial, but I know I'm in denial. But I'm going to keep being in denial about my hairline. But that's a, a different thing entirely. My point is, like, I, you, I, I relearned agoraphobia and had to re-unlearn agoraphobia. How, how funky is that? That, like, leaving the house became a terrifying experience, which was totally brand new to me. Having lived a life of just ease and comfort, stepping out of the house, now all of a sudden half of me is terrified of leaving the house. And now I'm unlearning 
half of me is agora half of my agoraphobia isn't that crazy what a wild experience that is that's pretty unique see the good things the your best qualities make you unique and your and your i wanted to say worst ones but it's your your triumphs your struggles your strengths and weaknesses man they all contribute to the person you are and you're beautiful no matter what and you're awesome and you're valid and that's all that fucking matters we're gonna end on the most super positivist note of all time embrace all the good and bad things about yourself be you do you if if you're a chump be a chump but if you don't want to be a chump if that's not your best life be aware of being a chump and you know it's okay to get confused and to look at the world and say what i want to know is and demand answers god damn it demand answers and get them ask the world Ask the world, what I want to know is... That's not even asking, that's demanding. You're demanding to know something. That's not even a question, that's badass. What I want to know is, why does rollerblading make me gay? <laughs> See? Fuck yeah. What I want to know is, when Penn and Teller go figure skating, and Teller lifts Penn up by the vagina, does Penn enjoy the feeling? Dude, that's what I want to know. <laughs> what I want to know is, when I get the new Rogers box, what happens to my email? <laughs> uh, if, if any of you listeners are still out there, Thanks for listening. If you're, if Victoria and Jeff Zamet are listening, and you're happily married, and you're lifting each other up by the vagina out on roller skates at a wheelies, good for you. Good for all of you. And I mean that. All right, that's it. That's it for this week. Science sealed, delivered. I'm yours now and forever and always. Sincerely, I'll thou, baby. Play a set. Uh.